Hello, welcome to Casting Nets, a podcast about real life and living faith. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Dave Rudot. I am joined with Pastor Will Harley. Hello. You know, when people around Maribel uh, are stuck on things, I say, go to Pastor Will Harley, because where there's a will, there's a way. That is just poor. <laughs> that is poor. That is, that is very poor. You could have done better. I could have done better. <laughs> I think you should stick to the dad jokes. (laughs) I thought that was a dad joke. Anyway, uh, real Christianity takes an honest look at your life and proclaims truth to it, which creates a real living faith that impacts your life and the lives of those around you. Today, we welcome uh, Susan Fink. Welcome, Susan. Thanks. She is the author of the new book called Self-Care, Selfish or Sacred. Yeah, and before we get into this, uh, we probably want to start with a disclaimer, and the disclaimer is going to be a little bit different than our normal disclaimer because um, we actually know nothing about self-care, <laughs> and so um, everything Susan says is probably true, and everything we will say is probably not, no, and no, so no. Uh, we will attempt to do what we have always done, which is stick to the scriptures, stick to what uh, our Lord says to us through his word and to the confessions that we have of the church. Um, if we anger you in any way or offend you in any way, well, you can just pause Walk away, turn us off, listen to something else. Practice self-care. Practice self-care. <laughs> um, get into your meditative pose and uh, um, read the Psalms. <laughs> <laughs> this is always meant to be the beginning of a conversation, not the end. So if we encourage you to reach out to us and talk to us in person. Most of the feedback we get is from in person. So you come to St. John in Maribel and talk to Pastor Will Harley because where there's a will... There's a way. And notice he says he doesn't He doesn't invite anybody to come to his church. I, I'm getting to my church. Sure. You can also talk to me in person <laughs> at Emmanuel Lutheran in Shirley. Uh, you can email us at castingnetspod at gmail.com, or you can go on our Facebook page. We've got a Facebook presence as well, Casting Nets Pod on Facebook as well. Contact us that way. But just, just so you know, Dave would probably call me and ask me what the answer is. Because so where just, there's a will... There's a way. There's a way. So... Just come to me. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's cut over to our music, and then we will jump on into the conversation. COVID brought the concept of mental health uh, to the forefront of our minds and hearts, but it doesn't mean that everyone has understood what self-care is all about or understood um, that the need for self-care, some hesitation to the concept. Even among pastors, there's a hesitation. Uh, This last year at our seminary, we had a symposium on pastoral wellness where we had papers on spiritual wellness and uh, physical wellness and Mental wellness. Um, I'm not doing well on the physical wellness. On the phys- physical wellness. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it generated a lot of discussion, some hesitation, some uh, uh, pushback. 
but it was um, it was very good. Uh, the symposium was, and then also as circuit pastor, I also brought it to our circuit, which had uh, some of the same reactions that it had at symposium. But I still see the need for self care. That's why I appreciate your book, Susan, about self care because you really get to the core question: Isn't self help just being selfish? Mm-hmm. Um, and I really appreciate your labor of love and service. Uh, that and I really, really appreciate how you cement self-care in the scriptures and you address common myths that Christians have about taking care of themselves spiritually, mentally, and physically. Yeah, I would I would just resonate with with what Dave is saying is that um, you know you read a lot about self care you read a lot about I, I on your Twitter feeds Facebook feeds you know people saying I need to take time for myself and things um, <clears throat> but having it rooted in Scripture where we're and I very much appreciate it, and I made that comment to you as well Dave that that you let Scripture stand and you just sort of said here it is um, this is what God says about who we are and and what what should be and so I would I would very much I very much appreciated that yeah it was a modern day Deborah where Deborah's like you guys Aww. got you you men have to do this Aww, thank you <laughs> yeah. and if you don't do you this do our ladies will make us do it <laughs> but I'm not jail and then they get the all the in my hand <laughs> no but no the, the lady still got all the credit okay. <laughs> okay, um, what I really like about the book is that you you do really take us from where a lot of people are in and understanding the myths uh, the, the myth that people have about self-help and self-care and um, now and then you also combine that with first of all with biblical truth but then also wisdom from a variety of sources uh, throughout the book you're you're uh, giving cha- you challenge us with lots of questions uh, you encourage us to journal our answers and we're not all not all everybody is is journalers but there's lots of resources in that book that people can use to help them reevaluate how they take care of themselves well, and and you know, you go back to the the very first thing in your book, which which really, um, and I just I'm just going to be very honest. I told you this this morning already, Susan, that uh, this book made me feel very very guilty, um, and it, it made me feel guilty just for the simple fact that that I think I well I know I don't do any of what's in the, <laughs> in the book, and the very first thing, the very first uh, way I knew that this was going downhill. And when I opened it up, got to the first quiz. You have a yes. quiz in the very yes. first book. And it said, um, I can relax in a bubble bath or a hot tub only if I also have something else to read or do. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't like bubble baths. Okay. I don't have a hot tub. Okay. But I can't even sit down without opening up a book. Uh-huh. And my wife always nails me for that. She's like, do you always have to be reading? And I feel I do. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this isn't going well yeah I, the book begins with a quiz and, and uh, it's not like one of those quiz where you have to do 20 points or whatnot but just gives you an opportunity to think about yourself and your in the way that you take care of yourself uh the one the, the question that really resonated with me is the uh, uh the one about guilt uh what, don't they all um <laughs> <laughs> What about guilt? Like uh, I have a vague a sense of guilt. Yeah, I think it's a vague <laughs> scent of guilt hanging over my involvement in games, bonfires, and coffee hours with friends. It's like oh. I always should be doing something else. Right, right. Well, and that's only when he invites friends to his bonfires. <laughs> He's got some friends. Really. <laughs> we wonder. I used to have a friend at St. John and Maribel, but then he thinks that I have nothing good to say to my members. So oh. then, then. Well, he used to have ended. a friend in St. John and Maribel. 
<laughs> had nothing to do with about about his comments to his members. <laughs> so, um, which one of the questions did you feel most re- resonated with you, Susan? Oh, sure. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Every one of those questions was easy to write because I did all of them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, um, let's see. We should probably say the name of the book again, just in case oh. people are wondering. <laughs> uh, this, it's, the book is called Self-Care, Selfish, or Sacred. And I think that the, the key question that it asks is whether, uh, what, what really is self-care? Is, it, is this really a selfish thing or is this a sacred thing? Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the quiz at the beginning of the, of the book really helped us see ourselves and saying, a lot of times we are taking care of ourselves, but there isn't there's something not healthy about it. Uh, that it is it isn't the sacred thing that we think it is, and it helps us and it leads us to really the core question of the book of whether self care is uh, selfish or sacred. However, we've got all kinds of definitions as to what is self care, and if you could please lead us through what is the book's definition of self care. Well, I thought you guys read the book. Didn't you get the main, <laughs> the main point of the whole book was the definition? No. Um, no. Um, well, I'd say that uh, it's akin to um, self-control, self-discipline. And don't we all know that self-control is good, for example, what we eat? And I don't know about you, but I think about what I'm going to eat all the time. And it's not always a healthy choice, but I plan ahead. And um, But I think that... You know, our creator created us with this wonderful body, very detailed, and it has physical needs, it has emotional needs, spiritual needs. The creator designed all that, um, and there's care that is involved in all those things. If you have a plant at home, um, like say that your wife brings home a tomato plant or you get one as a gift, you don't just say, Oh, that's that's a neat. It's going to grow up to be a tomato, and God designed that, and that's so cool. And then you ignore that plant. You don't give it water. You don't give. You know, make sure the soil is okay. Doesn't need any fertilizer. Doesn't need any sun. You just figure it's going to grow on its own. No, <laughs> we're the caregivers for plants and for our bodies. Stewardship. It's 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 part of stewardship. You know, I, I <clears throat> I'm liking. I, I like what you're saying, and I and I caught that through the entirety of the book with the verses that you chose. That that you you follow this course of God created us as special beings that are are equipped to do and need to have certain things. And then actually, I was just sitting here as you're explaining it, and I'm thinking back just over and over and over again. I've had these conversations with you, Dave, before. You know. What did God build into creation? Mm-hmm. And and when he stood back and he said it was very good, what mm-hmm. still was there? And there was a need. There was a need for people to serve one another. There was a need for uh, rest on the seventh day, right? He said, you will not do what you normally are doing, but you will take a rest and be rejuvenated in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I'm looking, and I'm thinking back, and I, I keep thinking back. It's like, you know, and maybe this was my this was this is where my guilt has led me to to now see the opposite side of God's grace. Those needs were there in creation when God said it was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we just did them perfectly um, <laughs> yeah. without the, the without the the problem and didn't the issues. Didn't need books on self care. Right, then. we didn't need books on self care. Um, and 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 you know, at first, at least, Adam and Eve understood the need of the other, and and they were able to meet those needs. Um, and now, because of sin entering in the world, because of our mistake, these things that God had created that were a, a, a basic framework for us to excel now has to be instructed. So. I, I kind of working our way backwards because I do want to get to to what was your maybe favorite most leading question of the quiz before sure. we jump on into the book. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I could see why I would need some type of a self care um, tutorial, but uh, I, I would not be able to create one. So so can you walk us through the story of how <laughs> how this thing came into being? Uh, sure. Um, actually, <clears throat> do I have to start off by confessing sins to two pastors sitting in front of me? Uh, that's, that's kind of what we're here for. Oh, yeah, okay. absolution. Oh, confession booth. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, <clears throat> I've struggled with self-care. Uh, um, yeah, self-care, workaholism, probably since college days, because I did go to worker training up in MLC um, to become a teacher. And my husband and I have always been either involved in church work as a called worker or um, just being busy because our heart's desire is to spread God's kingdom. So I know many called workers, friends with many, who I would classify as workaholics for God. Unfortunately, I don't think we have a support group for that yet, but maybe. This is where it begins. Yes. (laughs) And we'll meet in Maribel. Uh, That's where the way is. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what was um, your website again that's not up yet? <laughs> it's SusanLFink.com, which will be up hopefully tomorrow. Awesome. <laughs> that's where the group is going to yes, start. Yes, yeah, that's okay. Contact me. I love people. But really, during COVID, um, I'm a people person, and um, all the quarantines, all the not seeing people in person, I needed a project. And this had been in the back of my mind for a long time. Probably, you know, the Lord saying, Sue, you're not doing enough self-care. And it comes up in various diseases. And I have autoimmune deficiency, which is, uh, you know, stress, stress makes it worse, things like that. And just seeing people that have a hard time, um, especially if they're working for the Lord, they think, I got to do that 24-7 because the whole congregation, the whole school, whatever, is resting on my shoulders. So um, I began to search scriptures, ask questions of uh, all the friends, uh, people I admired, pastors, and um, I collected all these good quotes. And even though it was a lot of work, um, I'd say it was about an hour, uh, a year and a half of research, um, I enjoyed it because I pretended I was young and back in college again, you know, doing a term paper or something. And um, a lot of the questions actually, um, either I, or the, I'd say the, um, the titles, the myths, the, the, each chapter is actually a myth or a misunderstanding that either I believed or somebody else had believed about self-care. And then I had a very close friend, um, <clears throat> Mary Schmall, who is a um, published author. She's writing some Christian children's historical fiction books. And she writes, she self-publishes, and she was just encouraging me from day one. You know, when you're a writer, it's a very, you're doing it alone, and uh, you tend to say, oh, 
forget it. What am I, who do I think I am? And then you need some encouraging friends like Mary and say, hang in there. I think you have something that God can use and that others need to hear. Very good. Very good. So <clears throat> kind of a labor of love that, that you were dealing with and then found out there were other people that were dealing with it. And yeah. And um, doing what God has laid on all of us to do is there's a need and I can fulfill it. That's pretty cool. Well, with God only <laughs> and lots of friends. And you notice it's filled with lots of quotes because they're the experts, not me. <laughs> well, I think you're an expert now after a year and a half of study. Oh, I don't know. I think I think that's the way it goes, right? <clears throat> High expectations there. <laughs> Don't ask about my exercise routine. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I really liked about the book is that they didn't have, like, here's this magic bullet mm -hmm. uh, for your self-care. Like, mm -hmm. you've got to do this for your emotional self-care. It's this for your physical. But you ask questions that, because everyone is on a spectrum, uh, yes. we're not all in, we're not all at the same place physically spiritually emotionally exactly. so we need we need the the important part is the reflection and to say okay what is this really doing what i think it's doing or am i having a behavior or following a a, a strategy that isn't actually doing what i i think it's doing it's not actually helping me uh, cope with whatever it is i'm coping with yeah you can read a lot of books there's a lot of books out there but if you're not applying it to yourself what good is it so that's why every chapter there's questions and i'm hoping that you use them to apply to yourself to reflect maybe get a friend or two or a group to discuss those questions with because that's where the rubber meets the road it's like yeah you, there's all these philosophies but if it's not going to work for you it's not going to happen. So, well, and and one of the things in your book, after every chapter, you and you mentioned this before, Dave. You you have journaling, and I I read those questions. I'm like, oh, those would be really. But I I don't journal. It's okay. I, I've never gotten into the habit. I have lots of journals that I bought, and I'm like, I'm going to do it this time because I lost the last one, and I think I had like two pages written in it. <clears throat> so I have lots. So I have lots of spare paper that I can rip pages out. Um, but I've never got into that idea of, of journaling, but I, you know, I, and Dave knows the, I, I work this way. I kind of vocalize my thoughts. Yeah. And so I did find it very helpful as I was reading, you know, I talked it over with my wife out loud and just oh, said, nice. what, you know, and my wife's like, I don't know. I haven't read that yet. And I'm like, well, the book's here. You can just use yeah. it. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it did, it was helpful to maybe take a look at and and my wife concurred that i am i don't do enough of the self-care um that i i usually am off doing something for someone else or mm -hmm. the family or the mm -hmm. you know um and she says you know sometimes you got to slow down so and that and that's i think the big thing is slowing down and and taking a notice of some of these i, I think the big thing for me is always intentionalizing self-care just because you are doing self-care but you may not be realizing what you're doing and it and like you, you're spending time uh, i'm getting ahead of the game where you're, you're doing a myth like you're i'm going to sit down and watch this television show but you're not thinking this is my this is my self-care right now for my this is i need this or uh, and so for I, if i don't intentionalize it if i don't label it mm -hmm. or i'm home now i'm not you know it what i'm in in the parsonage i i have to verbalize and tell my wife i'm home now 
because otherwise she thinks that any second this guy's going to leave and go back over to church. Is he actually here or isn't he? Mm -hmm. Is he actually taking care of himself or is he still at work? Uh, where is he? And, and I guess this is maybe just unique for pastors or called workers who are um, having a, a, a job that isn't nine to five. Um, I w the list of 10 myths. The first myth is we've kind of covered already, but I just wanted to make sure that your, our listeners uh, really grasp this first one because I think it's important. And that is that Christians agree on the definition of self-care as if we're all on board with what self-care is. And my question for you, Susan, is why do you think that self-care is so hard even to define? Well, I think you touched on it a little bit. Um, it's probably difficult to define because there's so many different individual needs, situations, physical, emotional makeup. We're also diverse. You know, I, I feel sometimes like we're a, a bunch of chemicals and our chemistry can be just changing and it can be my chemistry can be so different from yours. And then you add on to the different definitions that are out there from the philosophers, the secular counselors, the big self-help movement, and then the different various religions. They define what they think self-care is, and most of them it's probably not based on God's truth. So maybe that's why Christians, for the most part, shy away from that term self-care. It's got that word self in it, and it sounds so self-ish. You know, I don't know if if self-care ends up being um, necessarily strung together with selfishness. Um, when I approached it and I was looking at it, I, I never really thought self-care was necessarily selfish as much as I thought it was um, more of a movement. Uh, and I'll be honest, mm -hmm. it was, to me it was more of a movement of, of the age in which we're in. It's like they're not necessarily selfish, but maybe self-absorbed yes okay <laughs> was okay. was more the you know i <clears throat> like i have to do what's best for me you know that that you get that a lot in in society where you know i'm i can't i can't help you i can't do this i can't engage in that because i have to do what's best for me mm -hmm. and and that and and that's not necessarily selfish it's more self-absorbed that okay. that i am the pinnacle of Importance. Importance, yes. right. Isn't that the definition of selfish, though? Well, no, because because I, I think, think it's stronger than selfish, it, it, if, it you, might, if you ask me. It might be stronger than selfish. Selfish, I, I get this idea of, um, you know, um, selfish is the idea that, that I'm going to do things for my self-advancement. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do things for <clears throat> that are only going to benefit me. Where I'm self-absorbed is... is um, I'm going to be the pinnacle. Yeah, I agree. So I, I, it maybe is a step. I see the distinction. It's a step. It's a step worse. It's yeah. the worst step. <laughs> going down a degree. Because <laughs> yeah. you can do a lot of things that are selfish that actually benefit other people. You want to have people like you, so you're going to be nice to other people, uh, right? So right. That you, and that's selfish. But self-absorbed is the whole world revolves around uh, right. Dave Rudat and, right. and everything affects me and everything is about me and, and I don't, right that's that's all that matters is me mm -hmm. and, and i think that was my yeah. <clears throat> that was one of my myths sure in in this whole thing is is really self-care you know my first when i when you see self-care in the world mm -hmm. it's very self-absorbed mm -hmm. very very self-absorbed mm -hmm. um 
where where it's not it doesn't even matter i'm not going to i'm not going to give of myself to someone else for my future benefit which would be selfish of me um i'm not even going to engage in that because it's going to hinder me now to do that mm-hmm. and i want to focus on me um you know i my wife likes to watch a lot of those tiny home building shows oh. <laughs> and it's yeah, how many times i we she watches those tiny home building shows and she's like how can anybody desire to live like that and i'm like because they're self-absorbed we don't have to have a mortgage we can do whatever we want i don't have to work as much oh. it's like that's really self-absorbed <laughs> um oh our kids will be fine living in Less than an attic's worth of space. <laughs> many, many children were or are living in such conditions, yeah. Um, anything else we want to talk about with that first myth? Or we can move on to the next one. And Which really, uh, it flows very nicely from the first thought was, yeah, Christians aren't agreeing on what uh, self-care is. And now they're also saying, well, then the myth is self-care is not... In the Bible, and we're mm-hmm. always be thinking about others, like love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking of your neighbor, 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 neighbor. Mm-hmm. But um, but isn't implicit in the love your neighbor as yourself is you have to love yourself first? Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know, I never heard that emphasis on that verse until lately, like maybe the last three, four, five years. It was always the other way around, and. And a verse like that, and also there's a verse, you know, make the most of every opportunity. Now, that sounds wonderful, but it can also be used as a club. Are you making the most of every opportunity right now, 24-7? And it can be used in a shame-producing way. You're like, what? You took a nap before you went over and visited that lonely friend who said, come over, I need someone to talk to. But you realized you needed a nap first? Uh, what? You made sure your meal had some energy, protein in it before you went and fed the homeless? Um, you memorized Bible passages that you know you needed for strength before you went and taught them to others and told others to teach them. So that kind of thing. And it, it's. I'm glad you brought that up because um, I was kind of taken back by, um, I have... Uh, not a friend, but an acquaintance who I admire who writes um, very good books. Um, she's a Lutheran Christian writer. Not in our synod, but I won't name the synod. <laughs> um, but I asked her to look at my book and my ideas, and she implied that because self-care was not found in the Ten Commandments and it was not found in the Lord's Prayer, we don't have a command to follow it or to pursue it. And... I was thinking about that. I knew she was wrong, but wasn't quite sure why. <laughs> but Pastor Martin Wildauer, who's a friend, he's serving right now in Port Washington. Port Washington, he laughed and he said, um, "The third commandment um, doesn't that feed our spiritual needs? It's not just that we worship God, but we need, you know, that need, our spiritual need is met. And in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Doesn't that encompass asking?" God to help us with all of our needs. And I was going to turn it around on you guys, and if you don't mind, and say, have you ever included some thoughts like that in a sermon or a teaching? Uh, two weeks ago, I preached on sugar. I mean, it wasn't my theme, but... <laughs> But uh, people it, paid attention. People paid attention because I was I was talking about okay. uh, um, how are we? I don't even remember the text. Uh, I just remember my uh, my stepbrother was there, 
And uh, he's like, oh, you preached, you railed on sugar today. And I'm like, well, it was, it was all part of the idea of are we, are we um, really examining what's going on in our lives? And um, um, are we really uh, paying attention and taking care of the body? I think it was talking about the, what's the bo- going in, what's going in. And, and I was um, not just talking about spiritual things, but also physical things sure, as well. Sure. Well, and, and I have many times before, um, and I do this in, in, premarital as well as family counseling and and from the pulpit i i i highlight you know unless unless you are in church receiving god's service to you from his altar his forgiveness it won't flow into your family so i i i I go from you know from his table to your table Mm -hmm. i i've often said uh to my members um but i i want to come back just to the (laughs) um just to the you know the the Lutheran who shall not be named, um, <laughs> who said it's not it's not in the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Yet what is our Lord? You know he sums up the commandments: love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul; love your neighbor as, as yourself. Mm-hmm. And 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 I, I'll 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 be the first to step into the brink and say, I've used the love your Lord or love your neighbor as yourself as there's a shred of law there because the sinful nature loves itself. Um, the sinful nature is, is always inverted in towards itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think this idea of self care has added for me that extra nuance that it's not always the sinful nature being reflected in my love of self, but it's the, it's that God given ability to say, I have needs that need to be met before I can serve someone else into the best way. And that I should also then be looking at my neighbor and saying, are your needs being met so that you are engaged to be able to serve in the best way that you can do? You know what I'm Good saying? That, that it's not just the law of saying my sinful nature mm-hmm. turned in on itself. And if I love myself that much, I should love them that much. Mm-hmm. Or is it also not just that, but also, no, it's okay to, to say I have needs and I have I have things that have to be seen in my life mm-hmm. for me to be able to do what needs to be done, um, so I can serve effectively. Absolutely, and I can then share to help meet those needs with someone else. Wow, and that sounds like sort of a pastor's job to help your members or teachers. If only I had students. one. Uh, uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> he does have one. He called him, <clears throat> and he was and his uh, his pastor was installed this last week at district convention. So anyway, that's an inside. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, a district convention. I was reelected to be circuit pastor, oh, so that good. that was the comment. Actually, he shot me down because I had called him my circuit pastor, and he was part of the presidium. I'm not part of the presidium <laughs> until he was re. <laughs> inside jokes inside jokes anyway uh i really also appreciate how jesus told his disciples come with me to a quiet place and get some rest yeah right after I th- isn't it right after john the baptist dies yeah. and yes. so he's like I heard about it yeah and uh so he calls his disciples away from the crowd away from their ministry which was at that time there's lots of people and they were all they mm-hmm. were all listening you, you, making the most of every opportunity like yeah. you were saying and Jesus said let's let's get away from this for a while because i have we need some rest we need to uh recharge um, before we keep moving and Jesus was grieving yeah you know John the Baptist his cousin they shared the same ministry and uh Jesus was man and God. He had all those feelings we do. So that reminds me too that um, as we're grieving losses in our life, don't keep 
going 24-7, busy, busy, busy. Some people try to uh, cope that way with grief, but it's not good. Let's follow well, Jesus' yeah. example. And, yeah. and Jesus is the example of self-care throughout his entire ministry. Many times he would go off to a, a, a desolate place, go to the mountain, and he would, he would pray. Um, he yeah. would spend time in prayer. Um, Lazarus, when he passed away, he cried yeah. uh, right at the tomb. Yeah. Um, it's not that he didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there and is. And Jesus isn't the only one in the New Testament yeah. who practiced self care. The Apostle Paul t- saying to Timothy, uh, "Take care of yourself. Drink, add some wine to that water yeah. that you're drinking." Yeah. Um, so there's there's plenty of encouragement throughout the Bible where. Uh, God's people are encouraged to, as you say, engage in self-discipline, to take care, be a good steward of the body that God has given us. Ecclesiastes, eat, drink, and be merry. (laughs) (laughs) You know how that ends. (laughs) (laughs) It ends with tomorrow you die. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so... Uh, I think we've covered a lot of Bible passages that dispel that myth, but there's more Bible passages to look sure. in that book uh, in chapter 2. And and I encourage our listeners to let God's Word speak for itself and, and to hear from the Word of Christ the rest that He offers, not just for your soul, but also for your mind and for your, for your heart. Yeah. Myth number three, there's little difference between secular and Christian views of self-care. And my question for you, Susan, is what do you feel is the crucial difference between Christian and non-Christian views on self-care? Well, um, I'm glad you asked that because I think the big difference is spelled P-O-W-E-R. Where is the power coming from? And, you know, secular self-care, they have things like positive thinking and Oh, the latest healthcare trends and fads. There's always something popping up on your phone or your computer that this is going to help. This is going to help you feel better. And and then the secular uh, counselors, people who believe that the power is within you. You know that phrase, you be you. Well, I've tried it and it gets pretty sad to a dead end (laughs) just being me. And that's one of the reasons why I highly recommend um, Christian Family Solutions, places like that, that um, people are embedded in Scripture. They can pray with you. They can um, encourage your faith um, because they're using their source of power is the same as ours, the Holy Spirit. And, you know, if you plug into any other outlet for power, you're just going to burn out your fuses. I I wonder if, you know, the, the... so this is probably going to be a, a, a poorly worded question or comment. Um, secular, I, I don't think necessarily the framework of the secular view is wrong, okay. if that makes any sense. Um, the framework being, okay, we recognize there's an issue. Mm-hmm. We recognize there are steps that need to be taken. Mm-hmm. We recognize that there, there's a course, right? But but it comes down to what you were saying is what gives you the ability to follow yeah. it within the framework? Because I, I, I don't, I, dealing with, with Christian Family Solutions um, and, and dealing in counseling, we don't do counseling different necessarily. Uh-huh. I mean, we use some of the same, you know, this is what statistics say. Mm-hmm. This is what's going, this is what we're seeing. This is the type of behavior. 
This is the, you know, we, we're looking and we're noticing the same things. But like you said, and, and I think that's the point that needs to be driven home is the the course through it is is so vastly different in how you get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm dealing with a, a counseling situation right now. And and one of the, I, I just responded to the, the text today. Um, I'm finding it hard. I, I was given the, the, the text. That said, I was find, I'm finding it hard to do this. I'm finding it hard to follow the course. I'm finding it very difficult. And, and, and this is the quick response, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, and then the simple, thank you. You know, that, so, so yeah, by your own strength, it's tough. Although you're following the same course that, that any secular whatever is going to tell you. And, and they're going to say, well, let's pull yourself up by the bootstraps mm-hmm. and uh, change your mindset and, mm-hmm. and f- dig down deep and, mm-hmm. and find that center. And we're like, yeah, nah, you're not going to find that there. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're more solar panels and, and we need the that, sun. And if you do, it's so temporary because right. what is your motivation? What's your confidence? I've got to have God as my energy pack. I've got to have God as my confidence because I can just, dwell on myself and that goes spirals down yeah and, and a source of our strength and power to to do that self-care is also in our identity who who are we are we are we uh, the strong individual or are we someone who has been bought with the blood of christ mm-hmm. who who he views as special and loved mm-hmm. and important enough that he went and died for and that's where the, we have that external source for our power yeah. to say Okay, I'm going to take care of this body not because I'm such a good person or that I'm I, I'm that's my identity, but uh, identity on my own. But the identity that I have in Christ that God has given me this body, God has washed this body clean, God has uh, saved this body together with the soul, and therefore God has also equipped me through His Word to take care of that body mm-hmm. in whatever path. Um, but you would you would probably say, and that would fit into there. You you can't draw from a dry well. Yes. Yeah. Because I think I, I think you know um, a lot of again with the health, whole self care thing, one of the things that that becomes very prominent in secular self care is meditation, right? Mm-hmm. Meditate, um, find a quiet spot, think about mm-hmm. whatever, uh, self reflection. Um, but as as we've been talking and and very appropriately, you run out of you run out of of, of resources when you're looking inside. I've done that. I've, I've, I've tried this. You continue to go in the same circle, right, over and over and over and over again. Um, and so if you're not being filled up by something from external, mm-hmm. if, if you're not getting an external fill up, uh, wh- where does that go and how does that work um, for you to, to find that self-care? And, I, and that's, I think, so very fundamental in the difference. Well, even some people, I think it's a Japanese who do this forest bathing. They say it's so good for you. You go out in the forest and just being out in the woods and meditate. Well, for us, we'd say there's yeah, a lot we of bugs. Go out in the forest be, and we say, look at God's creation. Look at these beautiful colors and everything. And that's what renews us is looking at the creation and then reflected to the Creator. But just sitting and bathing in the forest. I don't think it's going to go very far. I would agree. I would agree. Especially with ticks. Oh. And mosquitoes. <laughs> and mosquitoes. Yeah, they must not be bathing in northern Wisconsin, I guess. Uh, moving on to the next myth. Self-care only honors okay. self. Uh, you had a very good point here where self-care is, if we look at it and have it uh, a frame of, this is 
by taking care of myself, I'm actually taking care of others. Uh, sometimes Christians think that self-care is an either-or preposition. I can either take care of others or I have, to, or I take care of myself. Um, what are Bible passages that you used in the book that demonstrated that taking care of others and taking care of yourself is a both-and proposition and not an either-or? Man, that's a tough question. <laughs> How long did it take you to think of that one, Pastor Dave? <laughs> I did all these questions in like 30 minutes. Okay. Oh, okay. Because you said you were going to be tough on Sue. I did not say I was going to be tough on Sue. Actually, he texted me and he said that. How he said, How can, can we? <laughs> so I'm taking back all of the advice that I've given to people to go to Will because he is yeah. not the way. Oh, he is not the way. <laughs> This is the way. I think Jesus said something about the way, but I'm not quite sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I point to Jesus. <laughs> there's a song like that. Um, of course, there's the love your neighbor as yourself. And um, that's, gosh, doesn't Jesus quote that in every gospel? If I'm not, if I'm not wrong, I could be. Uh, and he pointed that out as two of the greatest commandments. You know, love the God, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, so he um, he pointed that out, and then I also found this Colossians three sixteen passage. I don't let me know if this makes sense, but I thought listen for the direction to us to you, and then listen to the direction for one another to kind of kind of point out it's not either or. Colossians three sixteen, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So it's, you are teaching, you're admonishing, but it's for one another. So you're doing both. And how are you doing that? Because the message of Christ is dwelling in you richly so that you're able to do that. And then there's another passage I like, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Um, don't have it memorized, I wrote it down, but, uh, <laughs> and it's encourage one another and build each other up. And if we aren't encouraged ourselves from God and, and godly Christians and wonderful pastors, and we're not nourished ourselves physically, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, if we're not nourished ourselves, how can we encourage and build each other up, others up? Well, and I, I think having the, the to, to really look at this, any any part of the scriptures where where um, the Lord is referencing the church as the body of Christ is a reference to not only self-care, but also a reference to then the overall care of the body. Yeah. Um, when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. When one part of the body is joyous, we all are joyous, right? Um, <clears throat> and so I think there is, there is the encouragement for self-care in that and then there's also the encouragement for communal care that we are looking out for one another mm -hmm. one of the interesting things from our district convention this last week is the emphasis on the community and how that was such a strong thing in the early christian church and how the, the church was wasn't just an institution but it was a group of individuals caring for each other and how going into the future, going into a post-Christian world which we're living in, mm -hmm. that's the thing that's really going to resonate. Because he gave us statistics like how popular pastors are in society or how popular... Just uh, above car salesmen. Just bar, yeah, just above car salesmen. <laughs> like, so like as church as an institution 
it, mm-hmm. it doesn't have a lot going for it, right. but the church members have a ton going for them if they are serving one another mm-hmm. and serving and and being fed by this community that's in the church, receiving the Lord's Supper in church and in this community of believers that are supporting them mm-hmm. as they're going out into the world and showing love to their enemy, showing love in a in a one direction or from you to to others. You you can't do that all by yourself. The early church didn't do it all by themselves. They gathered together as they as they followed what Paul said in Colossians. They sang hymns. They they were worshiping together in the temple courts. Um, they were uh, together so that they could go out, and um, that is also a reflection of what is self care is making sure you're, you are taken care of and you being singular, you being plural, you being the community of God's church, um, taking care of each other, using the words of God and using the Lord's Supper to feed us and, and to fill us up, like Will was saying before, so that we can then also uh, go out. So it, it isn't just honoring of ourselves, but it is also part of what we are called to do by God to be his um, instruments in this world. But, but doesn't that also fit into the next myth as well? It does. So, Let's go on to the next myth. Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, it, it's a, it bleeds into it because, yeah. you know, you can get under saying that self-care is, is just thinking about me, honoring myself, um, and, and solely looking at, at, at what, what's going to benefit me. But then there's the other myth that says, well, but a Christian should be different, right? And the obligation is always to serve others in a timely and affirmative way. Yeah, that's I myth mean, number five. That's myth number five. Um, and and yet both can exist in this framework we call the church, where God brings you into something and he says, okay, guess what? <laughs> I'm not leaving you out on your own. It's not that I bring you into church of one. He brings you into the church of many who act as one. Um, and how does that work? So um, you have a really good worded question. All right, my question for you, Sue, is, and, she, and I have a feeling she's going to turn it right back at me, and that's okay. We are always uh, saying no to something. What is your best tactic in saying no to a request for help? Yeah, um, my husband is a staff minister, and he's only part-time, and he gets a lot of phone calls, and it's, I need help, I need talk. So I can imagine you must get many, many phone calls, and you've got wonderful families, wonderful you know, wives and, and your own self-care. So how do you, you tell us the secret. <laughs> how do you as, as busy pastors say no, um, put you on the spot. Nine years of ministry in my last congregation. I didn't say enough of it and I burnt out. What do you, what do you mean? By <laughs> Explain that burnout. What, how did um, you know? How did I know I was burning yeah. out? Um, you know, you recognize the signs of, of burnout when, when you don't have the passion anymore. To, okay. to You're doing it out of obligation, not because you mm. desire to truly help. Yeah. Um, that was my first sign of burnout. Then the second sign of burnout that I was experiencing was, I just don't care. Oh. Um, I struggled in, in preparing sermons for, for God's people because I'm like, they don't care. And I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and it become very, it became very, very difficult. Sure. Um, and a brother of mine in the ministry, he came up and he said, it's, it's time. Um, he said, he said, I know you're at that time. I wasn't presented with a call, but he said, I can see it's time. He said that, uh, um, just the circumstances are such that, that you are not benefiting and they aren't benefiting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that was a, a, a big indicator as I've been here. I've been trying to practice this a little bit more um, and saying, you know, there are certain things that fall within my obligation. 
and and within my responsibility as a called uh, worker um, and as the pastor who takes on the majority of the responsibility of the church, I get that. But there are many things that I don't have to do. Like um, when I was in my other congregation, if I came into the church and 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 the altar wasn't set up and things weren't right, I'm like, oh, I guess I got to go do that. Or if the candles weren't filled, I have to go and do that, and I would do it. Um, now I I can I can say I'm. It's not needed for me to perform my obligation to you as your called servant. Sure. So if it isn't done. So you don't necessarily have a tactic. You just have a, um, a, a way of thinking about the ministry here at the congregation. So you don't have like a word, a secret word, a phrase that you use. No. And uh, <laughs> 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 so simple, yet so hard to implement, isn't it? Uh, I know I've been in in, a, in the ministry for uh, 18 years, and, and I was reading one book by uh, Eugene Peterson called The Contemplative Pastor, and one of the mm. strategies that he had was my schedule won't allow it. Like, it was just appealing to the schedule, saying, I, I don't have time to talk to you right now, but I have time at at this time, at this, can we talk then? Is it Or do, do we need... Uh, to, to talk right now, and you will also has the strategy of I'll give you five minutes. Yeah, I see. I I've often felt and 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 I've I've heard that before to say to say to somebody my schedule won't allow it. Um, and the problem that I have with that is it works maybe for some pastors. I'm not saying it won't, but my problem is is that that you then give the impression to your members that that you're unapproachable because you don't have time. Um, and so I have always tried more so now than ever before, but I've tried to say, when someone comes in, I'm in the middle of writing a sermon, and they, they say, Pastor, can I talk with you? I can give you five minutes, and if you want more, we'll have to schedule that. But you're important enough that I I will give you five minutes. Um, or if I'm caught in the store somewhere, I will give you five minutes. Um, I, I understand her. If you have a phone call and I'm in the middle of something at home, I'll give you this amount of time. But I can't afford anything else because I have other things that were planned that day. And and I think that goes a long way in showing a care for myself and my own time, as well as a care for my members and those people who, who are... Because let's face it, when, when I'm in need, the only thing I'm thinking about is me. And when someone then tells me they don't have time for me, mm-hmm. um, my first instinct as a sinner is... They don't care. Now, is that necessarily true? No, I'm not saying it's true, but that's the reaction, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't matter how how we say no. Whether we say, "Can we please schedule this?" or "I'll give you five minutes," it's still it, we can't control how it's perceived. People right. are still going to say, "Well, he's too busy for me," right. or and all that. So that part is out of our control. Mm-hmm. But what you and I are both doing is we're both saying, "I can't do this now," or "I can do only five minutes now." I'm giving. We're giving them an out, or mm-hmm. giving them an outlet where this can happen, where this event can happen, and and that's the important thing is that we're letting people know that we are available, but then we're also standing up and giving some self respect to ourselves and our schedule. I know personally, if I'm sitting there doing a sermon and my wife comes in uh, and she distracts me, it's very difficult for me to get back into that that mindset where I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I don't necessarily think that that's a it, a best tactic, I think, in the book, it's really good because it reminds us that we should um, be open to standing up for ourselves. Um, and I think it's going on in another myth that we'll get to. Um, 
but th- giving people an outlet to say, I- I'm, I'm here for you and I care for you, mm-hmm. but I'm also a human being. I'm not God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that, that's good. Um, <clears throat> I'll have to play this uh, podcast for some pastors. <laughs> well, I'm, but, but I, I'm, I guess from my perspective, though, um, I mean, we are trying to cope with it as pastors. And, and I know in answering of the question, you deferred to us. But what about for you? I mean, it's kind of outside of, we know what our obligations are. And we, mm-hmm. we have that, that hanging over our head that says, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel really responsible. Mm-hmm. But what about somebody who is not in that position? Well, I'm retired. Um, and so doubly I, so for I you. I sit around and I eat chocolates and watch soap operas all day. Didn't you know that? <laughs> I thought that's what everyone does in I retirement. <laughs> yeah, and if you, dear listener, if you think that's true, listen to the very read the very the foreword to the book, and that and you'll that isn't that what every pastor does during the week? Because we only work <laughs> one day a week. I know, I know, we just I know. sit around and watch watch golf yeah. all day. And what's the name of that book again? In case people just cut into the. Oh, self-care, self, selfish, or sacred. Very good. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Shameless <laughs> plugging, I'll tell you. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, yeah. Um, there is an author that's uh, Lisa Turquist. I don't know if you ever heard her. Um, Christian author. She's pretty popular. She says that sometimes the best yes is a no. Because what are you giving up to say um, if you said yes, what are you giving up? And I've used tactics, and I have to maybe rehearse this ahead of time, and I'll recommend it to you guys, too. Things like, thanks for thinking of me. Let me check my calendar. Let me pray about it. Um, let me get back to you. And, of course, you already have on your calendar, inked in, so you can't erase it, your family time, your self-care time, your, your wife time, things like that. Um, and then... Um, you can always say, I'll get back to them later. And then, for me, it's easier to email them and turn them down <laughs> than to say it at their face, you know. So, so, And then you can make it sound better when you do it. But you could do it on the phone, too. But in the meantime, I used to be a volunteer coordinator, so I always think of who else could do this. And maybe they're too shy to speak up and say, yeah, I'll do that. But if they were given a chance to do this little task, whatever it is, and, and I could encourage them, and they did well at it, um, they might find a, uh, they might grow in confidence, they find, might find a new ministry, they might find, oh, volunteering at the church picnic isn't as hard as I thought, something like that. So I just try to find somebody else to plug into that um, need. Uh, and that's a, that's a really good practice to get into. I know I've... I've shied away from that because I've I've been in ministry you know uh, I've heard it over and over sometimes you just need to ask somebody Mm -hmm. and I find that very very difficult I'll put out in the bulletin and say if anybody would like this but to approach somebody and ask them Mm -hmm. to do it face to face because and I'm not I'm not opposed to talking with someone face to face Mm -hmm. that's I'm not even opposed to saying no to somebody face to face (laughs) which Dave knows which Dave knows Uh, but no it's the or saying someone's wrong face to face. <laughs> but but I think the the hardest part of me is I understand people's schedules. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand that that you know and and I in the back of my head it plays out 20% of the people do 80% of the work within the church. Mm-hmm. And and it's I I you know the people that come to my the forefront of my my brain to help out are people that are already helping out and I'm like yeah. I already know that I can't put this burden on them. Yeah. And and that becomes the 
the the the crux of then why I say yes sometimes is because I know I can't put that on mm-hmm. them because they're already doing so much mm-hmm. other things and they would say yes mm-hmm. and then you burn them out mm-hmm. and and so and maybe that comes back to to some of the other myths that we are looking out for other people in our um in our ministries you know it's not just us mm-hmm. myth number six participation in social media entertainment gaming and similar activity provides stress relief i really like this one because this is one um personally that i struggled with because i would do something and and uh, but it wouldn't actually relieve the stress. For, for early in my ministry, would play video games for an, an hour or so, and then I get done, and I didn't feel like I was rested. I just felt like I just wasted an hour of my time. And then the guilt came in, like cool. you know, this is the this is an hour that you could have done something else. Uh, so I really appreciated this art. Um, and it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's watching the Packer game, whether it's uh, uh, going out golfing, whether it's doing whatever it is your hobby is. Um, my question to you is is if you're a person who has a hobby, who's engaging in self-care, it isn't always efficient. Um, how does one tell if a hobby is actually providing stress relief? Yeah, I had you um, thinking that you were a gamer, Pastor Dave. I don't know why. but uh, <laughs> And I'm glad you came to that realization. Because I think a lot of people, they get into the games, they get into the entertainment, and they don't realize that it is not relieving stress and you're either really wise or somehow God pointed that out to you that that wasn't helping. Yeah, might God provided a, a wonderful help meet. Oh. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and it's the same thing with phones too. My wife and I yeah. are constantly uh, holding each other accountable for our phone usage and awesome. and how much time you're on social media, how much time you're doing emails, how much time you're watching videos. And, and things of that nature, just to reevaluate whether mm-hmm. you still haven't answered the question, and that's okay. I know, I know. Um, I'll, I'll answer the question for myself, and maybe yes, you can yes. bounce that off. Yeah. As I always, if a hobby of mine, if I'm engaging in that hobby, and my it seems like time stops, like time has gone away, but at the end of, of that time, even if it's work, mm-hmm. I have more energy than when I started, then that's a good hobby. So, for example, uh, we have chickens, and uh, that has been, I, I didn't realize this was my hobby when we started having chickens, but really <laughs> it is now. Uh, this last week on Wednesday, we had this massive storm coming, yes. and we had these two brooding hens, and one of the brooding hens was attacking the chicks of the other the other hen, and we, had, we didn't know that this was a thing. When a brooding hen is brooding, they actually get aggressive not just toward you who's trying to reach under there and see how the eggs are doing but they also get aggressive to the other hens Uh around them and so we had to quickly scramble and figure out something uh, and get these hens separated Mm -hmm. and and the storm was coming at the same time and so it was frantic we were engaged in a lot of activity it was stressful Mm -hmm. but at the end of all of it i felt like i had more energy than when i started that is a good example. Okay, I'm going to pick on you, Pastor Will. What hobby do you have that has nothing to do with church responsibility? <laughs> I don't have any hobbies that don't. Chopping wood? I suppose, yeah. <clears throat> Just house repair and work uh, in that regard for, for chopping wood. And and I'm demolishing my house and rebuilding it and okay. that kind of stuff. And, and <clears throat> But I, I struggle with this. And and I understand what you're saying, Dave. Um, that that anything you're engaging in and it's your hobby. When you're done, even though it was stressful, I feel rejuvenated. 
Um, I struggle with that because I feel anything that I do always has like uh, a timestamp to it. Like mm-hmm. there's a requirement that that. So when I was younger, I used to play some games, but the games were never relaxing because there's always you have to accomplish this. Right. Um, my son will do that. And he's like, I'm playing this this video game. And I'm like, OK. And he goes, and I'm like, is that relaxing for you? He goes, well, I got to get to here and I got to get. And it's like, well, that's not relaxing. You're, you're getting like charged up to to get to this next step. And then it's this next step. And, and yeah, that's what uh, turned me off to games on my phone was that I, I can never play a game that actually had a conclusion. There was always that the game is designed to, to get hook. you to pl- keep playing it. Right. The design that well, you got to go back in two hours or. Right. And all those things. There's always something more to accomplish. Right. And and, so- and but I have that in life too. Like like I'm I demoed my upstairs and and it's completely ripped apart and now I have to wait for uh, one of my framers to come in and he's going to install Windows and and I'm looking at it and I'm like and he was going to do some other framing and level the ceilings and things and I look at my wife and I'm like I think I can do that <laughs> and she's like Do you really want to try? And I'm like I'm going crazy sitting mm-hmm. and looking at it waiting. And not having it done, and so 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 that becomes even more of a stressor. Um, so to me, I struggle. I struggled mightily with this chapter because I'm reading it. And I'm like, okay, I understand that that those things aren't good outs. Mm-hmm. But then when I looked at it, and, and your question is, say, well, you know, these hobbies can be, and I'm like, I have never found a hobby that leaves me refreshed at all. I think of like somebody who exercises, and of course, you know, people that my members who talk to me about running because I'm not a runner. You know, there's always something that they're striving ahead towards, but there's also there's also always a, a feeling of some sort of accomplishment. Um, when I was in into my, I was uh, for a while I was into model railroading, and that also had a lot of this like I, I got to get get this right, I got to get this the the electricity the the train doesn't go all the way around, and the the scenery isn't right, and all there's always something to work on, and there was always something frustrating because this isn't working right. But there was also at the same time a, a feeling of accomplishment. I got this done for the runner. I I got my my five miles in. Uh, for our chickens is we we separated those two brooding hens are we done with the chicken sure. project i uh, absolutely not are there things that need to be done absolutely but there are just those little things that you the the little uh, senses of accomplishment as you are working on those projects um you're making some sort of progress something that you can look back and say and i suppose this might be just for pastors i don't know if this resonates with our listeners as well because our ministry is always never done right and so to have something in our life that we can actually finish even if it's not completely finished but partway you know i accomplished this today you know for us it's like are you ever really done with that sermon before sunday morning after you preach it you're done with it but well even after you preach it it's always in question like can you can you tweak this can you say this differently Mm -hmm. there's all there's never that and even after you preach it, you go back and said i should have said that better yeah right exactly (laughs) that's always a temptation that's Um, why i don't listen to to dave's sermons after because i'm like i should have said that We, we, we have uh, what would Dave do? <laughs> <laughs> you got that sign? <laughs> okay. Yeah, sometimes you have to do the exact opposite of what Dave would do, especially when it comes to things like dad jokes. You know, just yeah. gotta, but, can't, yeah, can't do that. But in, in all seriousness, I, I understand what you're saying, and, and maybe it's just my own head that gets in the way and says, these are just other stressors that, 
You know, I have never found anything I get. And maybe again, this is maybe me. I've never found anything that I would say just is completely and utterly relaxing. Mm-hmm. It's everything's on a timestamp and, and it's the next thing I got to do. Um, and, and so I can, and maybe that's why I'm hypertensive most of the time because everything is, it's just got to be done. Mm-hmm. Part of your personality. Yes, I am. I come from a workaholic personality. Oh, okay. So that is. People who know me are like he never he'll 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 be off topic and then it, uh, it comes back to work. <laughs> so I really appreciated the chapter because it just reminds us that we are all participating in some sort of self care whatsoever, but we may not always acknowledge that what we're doing is self care and what we're engaging in may not actually be self care. Be self care. It may be actually detrimental that we have to switch gears and say, you know what? I think this was at this at one time. This was my hobby that uh, gave me and uh, rejuvenated me in a, in a in a sense. But now I have to give it up. And same thing with the uh, the the model railroading. I had model railroading for the longest time, and then we were struggling because our kids loved to play board games, and we didn't have a place for them to play board games. Oh. My wife was saying, you got these games that take several days to play and it's on our dining room table where we are supposed to eat as a family and there's no place for these kids to do it and i enjoyed playing those games with the kids and so and then i saw my i wasn't spending the time in the model railroading room and so i said it's time to just let's make this the game room and so we made it the game room and it the hobby then returned so um so for your dear listeners, I think that would be a, a point for us to always be thinking about is what are you engaging in for your self-care? Is it actually doing what you think it's doing? Um, is it time for you to reflect on? Is it actually um, giving you, rejuvenating you so that you can do what God has called you to do? When you're watching those Packers and they're losing and you're just getting pretty upset, maybe that's not real good for your self-care. <laughs> <Yeah>. So... <laughs> This actually, this, well, this actually brings up a really good time maybe to, to bring in a, a partial of the question. Uh, we had one of our listeners who wrote in and asked um, for us to ask you a question. And um, this is Rihanna's question. And it, she has a longer question, but, but I think this one is pointed for this topic. It says, it almost seems like too much emphasis is placed on self-care in today's world. And if you don't get it in, she puts that in quotes, then that is stressful in itself, especially for moms. Wow. Thank you, Rihanna. But um, <clears throat> I don't like on-the-spot questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moms. Uh, of course, I was thinking about moms a lot when I wrote this book. and um, But it's not meant just for ladies. It's meant for men. And and I want to point out, too, that are men, there are many people who have a very stressful 24-7 job besides pastors. Yes. It's just that we are... are we have friends with pastors, so we're th- thinking about them. But, you know, the over-the-road truck drivers and there's just so many doctors, you know, on call, things like that. So, yep. yeah, moms, you know, and not only mom do you have the 24-7 responsibility, but you've got that maternal instinct, which sometimes leads to guilt, which sometimes leads to, leads to shame. And, um, yeah, um, just another thing to get in. Um, well, I guess kind of going similar to what we talked about is the hobby if your self-care whatever you decide it is is not giving you that peace and that relaxation and i feel better um let's look for another one and moms um trade with other moms get some play groups together um it it's and i think churches too should have mom 
play groups where the kids play and the moms can talk. That emotional support, because at every stage it's just so tough. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll, That's you know, a good answer. We'll, yeah. pray, we'll pray for you and um, keep reaching out and keep um, talking to other moms because they have the similar the similar stresses it's it's a stressful time especially if you're sleep de- deprived i don't know if your kids let you sleep but that makes everything tougher yeah that leads on to the next myth um that we have myth number oh, yeah. seven as a parent my p- kids and needs come before mine um and my question for you susan self-care may look different in different stages of a parent's life a vintage parent yourself and that's from your that's a quote from your book so it's, oh, no. it's not you were me. just being rude <laughs> Call, calling me a vintage just be parent. honest <laughs> looking at my gray hair over here. vintage parent. a yeah. vintage parent i like it um you can call me a vintage pastor will at any time v- vintage parent yourself what do you feel is the greatest reason why parents neglect themselves when their children are young yeah when they're young age and when they're adults okay. at school age i should say and yeah. adults yeah yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm definitely not an expert on parenting. Ask my three blessings. Um, <laughs> I was definitely attached at the hip to my three kids. Um, and I, I'll admit I really crashed at the empty nest. When the last one went to um, college uh, far away, I was I was like in shock. <laughs> and I have written a couple things about the empty nest things Um and to put in another plug, I also write blogs for Holy Hen House. HolyHenHouse.com has a wonderful magazine. It's written and created by women for women, so I, I write for them once in a while. But anyway, um, back to the parenting. I could probably take some uh, guess, guesses about that. Um, because having children is such a blessing, and it's meant, of course, to be such a source of happiness, I always say that they're personally designed miracles of God, right, for your family. I like to put that on baby cards, you know, it's your personal miracle. But there's going to be moments, especially if you didn't get enough sleep, and maybe you're you're not even feeding yourself, you're feeding the kid and you forget to feed yourself, and your your body's deprived and you need to take a break, you need to take a break from the kids, those questions, questions, daddy, daddy, mama, mama, you need a break. (laughs) So, however, we... Most of us love that feeling of being needed. And it's such a privilege, it's a holy privilege, really, to provide for needs for, you know, children and, and even chickens, you know. <laughs> and that's, that goes various ages and stages, even though my kids are all married and um, doing well on their own. I still like it when they call up and say, Mom, I need you, or can you give me advice? It's just such a, a cool thing. But sometimes, especially like during difficult times, um, losses, you know, tragedies, some scares, I forget that I am not in control of my child's well-being. I, I can't be there 24-7. And, but God is with them. God's in control and hard to believe, but he loves our kids even more than we do. And uh, to just wrap my head around that is really hard. But you know that story about when you're on a plane, you need to put an oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on your kids? Um, Your impulse might might be other. But we need to know. We need to learn, first of all, what our needs are and care for them so that we can continue to care for our loved ones. So I think that that is the answer to that myth that 
we do in order to do it in a healthy way, we need to be healthy first so we can help others. Well, and I think that plays into the, the, the corollary, right? That, that as we are looking out for our needs <clears throat> within reason, um, we are moving ourselves just a step away from our kids to allow them to recognize yeah. their own need. Yes. Um, I, I think sometimes we are, especially in, in my generation, it, you know, you have the hover parent and you have the, mm-hmm. helicopter. the, the helicopter parent. <laughs> um, but it's the, or, or, or even now in the subsequent generations, the parent that does everything for their child. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's one of those things where, where maybe the parent needs to step back. And, and there is a, a very good, um, I need to step back and there's a very good uh, um, point for us to say, I'm looking out for my need. I need to do this. But it also encourages my kids to recognize their needs very good. And, 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 and engage with them. I know uh, when my children were young and, and thinking of self-care, not just the physical things and uh, the emotional, but also the spiritual my wife would say to me, she's like, I'm not getting anything out of your sermons. And, oh and, and it was because... It wasn't because of the kids. <laughs> I'll fill you in now, Dave. But anyway... <laughs> just, again, the, the friendship has been... <laughs> anyway, um, that's okay. I can take it. Uh, the... And our solution, as we were talking it over, was to make sure that every introduction of every sermon, she could have enough, at least from that, that she could figure out this is what the text is about. Because during the sermon, during a sermon, she might have kids that are squirrely and all that stuff. So I always made sure every introduction always was wasn't just it, but had a nugget of the truth of of that text, so Uh that the young moms um, uh, could at least have something before the kids get distracting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but the second thing she did, which is something you actually wrote in your blog, was she started writing a journal during the sermon where she would write it down. Mm-hmm. And, of course, um, people were wondering and saying, are you, uh, are you grading your pastor's <laughs> sermons? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but that was her um, spiritual self-care mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. she was raising children is that she wrote, these, wrote the, the stuff down. And so mm-hmm. that also helped the children because she's not just sitting there and if mom is just sitting there it's kind of like mom going to the bathroom that's the time to knock on the door and say mom and and all of this where she's they see that she's busy and she's doing something and she's and she's listening that they would also then learn that they should be sitting there and listening and 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 uh um when they got older and they're in confirmation then of course then they're right with her writing the journal because that's what i ask our confirmation students to do so that that helps track them in their uh, understanding the sermon well you know you can start that even when they're younger you can tell a um three four year old i want you to listen and every time the pastor says jesus right put a cross on this piece of paper or um well no no no, no. <laughs> that's for will <laughs> fast um or i would have my kids uh, when as they get a little older draw what you think pastor's talking about and the pictures and then the discussions afterwards and if they're not even up to that draw what the altar you know just something that they're they're actively listening something to motivate them to actively listen and and i i have to open my bible and write notes in my bible which my pastors over the years they go well I must have made a point because Sue's writing her book. <laughs> <Right. laughs> 
no, I'm kind of nodding off, but no. Uh, so yeah, ways, and there are, yeah, I did talk about other ways in the book because it, it is hard for a person who's running around busy for all week and then sit still for 20 minutes and just listen. So some way that you can help yourself active listening, whether you need to doodle, you know, or write down passages or something like that. And, and I like what um, Pastor Will said too about um, being a model for your children and just think when you're, having these hobbies that you enjoy and you're doing self-care, you're also modeling that for your children. Well, and I think, you know, you said how it's hard to listen. And I think that's um, how many, I'm not listening to you. (laughs) But I think how much, how much is that, you know, the, the Lord who reminds us, you know, be still, right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that the idea of listening is, is very huge in um, his way of speaking to us. And, and so that's an important thing for skill for us all to learn yes. as part of self-care is is to quit talking um, and, and maybe quit having our, our brain go to the next part of the conversation, which is natural, mm-hmm. um, and, and let me be filled up mm-hmm. so that I can think about it and take it with me. Speaking of moving on to the next part of the conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, myth number going. eight, self-care is just not feasible in some vocations. Uh, you just can't take care of yourself. And I think you mentioned, you know, the doctors, uh, those in the healthcare, always on call. Uh, we've, we've talked about pastors as well, but there are other professions where there isn't, it isn't nine to five, but you're given a, a this is your task mm-hmm. to do. And oftentimes that task is outside of the work day, um, you shared in your in this chapter of a, a real gut wrenching story of when your job was demanding your total abandonment of your own self respect. It was a very toxic uh, situation. Uh, what's your one piece of advice you'd want to share so that no one goes through the same struggle you, that you did? Well, thanks. Thanks for recognizing that that was a tough time. Um, you know, uh, different people have different reactions to that and that shows you're a compassionate person pastor dave that you said it was gut-wrenching but anyway i was going to say um to avoid stress do not work for health care <laughs> anyway i'm just that's kidding. why we're losing all our doctors <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is it's pretty tough but you know <clears throat> since so many businesses right now are hurting for employees um you see help wanted all over the place that I hope that management will wake up and become more aware how they treat their workers. You know, treat them with respect, kindness, appreciation. I mean, and if you're at a place, um, listeners, if you're working at a place where money, you know, the manager and the company, their top priority is making money, making a profit, no matter what they have to do, who they have to mistreat, I'd say that'd be a big red flag. And really, staying in a situation like that it could be interpreted that you actually agree with that um, priority, that profit priority. Then I, I'd point out too, because I've worked for companies like this that call themselves um, non-profit or non, not-for-profit. Like, are they really? Because you wouldn't keep going if no money came in. And so maybe um, not-profit means they're talking about the employees. The employees don't, pro- don't profit, you know. But personally, I'm a real sensitive person, and that can be a blessing, and that I can pick up and I can empathize with others' feelings, but it can also be a curse 
because I don't have that hard shell that criticisms bounce off. And, uh, you know, if there's unfair treatment, I turn it around and say, well, maybe it was my fault. Maybe they are treating me this way because I deserve it or I acted like this. And, um, you know, even the bad attitudes of others, they really affect me. Uh, I have to really pray about that a lot. So I would counsel others basically that if you think, even think your situation might be toxic, that's harming your health in any way, mentally, physically, spiritually, I would say find a trusted friend, a, a professional Christian counselor, a pastor, somebody to help you go through this. And if you need to learn what boundaries are, set them, um, stick to them, and you might have to make some judgments about how long you're in this place. Yeah, the world is not <clears throat> going to be very respectful of others' boundaries. Well, and and the and the 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 hard part is is when you have somebody who is empathetic, mm -hmm. um, and then they start setting boundaries. It's like all the red flags go up, oh. and and everyone's like, "What's changed? What's your problem now?" Uh, and they start they really start nailing the empathetic person mm -hmm. because there was such a you were the you were the person that they could dump on dump on and then all of a sudden you set those boundaries and and so uh, sometimes sometimes that it, it and the unfortunate part is um the empathetic, empathetic people aren't listened to because they're easy to walk over and when they start wanting to be listened to um the people that they're trying to communicate with don't understand mm -hmm. and and that uh, can lead to further toxicity yeah. And then and then you end up having to say I, I we just can't keep doing this. Mm -hmm. So if you want more information go read that chapter. I think the the converse to self-care is just not feasible in some vocations. You, the opposite of that is self-care is sometimes needed more in some vocations there just because go. there are um, hospitality vocations there if you're dealing with people if you're dealing with behaviors you're going to you're going to have a lot of toxic toxic toxicity. Yes. There you go. Uh, headed your way. And so I, I remember uh, one of the, I was early on in my ministry, I was taking a, a, um, a, a community course on preventing suicide. Mm. And so they had all of these people together and we would like model situations where we would be trying to con uh, counsel somebody who was, who was thinking about completing suicide and you would get done and they immediately said, tell us one positive thing that you did yesterday because everyone there their their empathy just went you know was drained mm. because they were trying so, to help because we're modeling and a lot of these individuals that were there were actually doing this a lot you know and so they know exactly what the words they say the the tricks that they use the uh, the emotions that an individual goes through and just and i was i really appreciated it at that moment where they were recognizing that um in those moments when you are being sapped you need to build yourself up. And of course, it was a secular setting, so they were thinking of positive things. Mm -hmm. But if, if Christians were doing that, they might uh, maybe you know talk about Jesus or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, well, actually, what else is there to talk about if you're a Christian and talking and trying to build somebody else up? But anyway, um, myth number nine. We are so secure in Jesus, we don't need to care for ourselves. So go ahead. I just had to say that that, that instantly is, is a myth because... None of us are that secure. <laughs> There's a reason why he has to hold on to me. 
there's a reason why the writer to the Hebrews says, "Let's not give up meeting together," right. uh, because there's a, we're not all secure in Jesus. We we uh, have a sinful nature where the devil isn't going to leave us alone. Um, uh, what any what the question I had, which probably not the best worded question, what metric do you use to indicate that you are in fact resting? Well, actually, Dave, I think I heard you preach about that one time, and my eyes were closed, but I was not resting. <laughs> I promise, I promise you. Sure, and, and, sure, she was looking at the inside. <laughs> she actually, was journaling. <laughs> and actually, my husband was his teacher in high school for chemistry, and he would have, you know, Dave would have his eyes closed once in a while. Too. I never, and he was I, journaling. I was journaling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I was just waiting for his next Star Trek reference, and then yes, my eyes yes, would have opened up. Yes, that's true. That would that would bring you to attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And I think, actually, you guys talked about this already. And uh, the basic, uh, let's think about Jesus. Uh, when did he rest? Did he take rest? I mean, just think he had, he could heal everybody in the world. He, why was he just staying where he was staying and traveling? Where You know, he... He had the responsibility of, I can help this person. I can go to this person. I need to tell these people. He had the solution to everybody on earth, physically, mentally, emotionally, and he didn't feel like, I got to do it 24-7. I mean, he got away from all that work. He says, let's get away from the crowds. He took breaks, even when his disciples were like fighting over who's going to be first in the kingdom of God, and they're, they're confused about what he's saying. He even took breaks from his disciples. And then, of course, he took naps, even when there was a storm going. He took naps. <laughs> so that's really an interesting thing that you, you bring up, that um, you know he didn't feel like he had to do. And, and, and I'm not necessarily pushing back a lot, because I agree, but I think I would frame it in a different way. Um, he understood timing. And, and I think that's what rest is. Okay. Understanding timing, right? The benefit of rest, the benefit of... Um, Jesus under not everything is life-threatening immediately right now I'm going to give you an example my my wife was diagnosed with cancer this was some years ago and as soon as we got that note as soon as we got that that information it was as if everything else fell away it has to be handled right now all the answers have to be dealt with right now it's like everything just focuses in on that one moment sure. um and and i think this is this is part of that 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 you have with jesus not everything is right now life-threatening it needs to happen mm-hmm. because it's going to happen in my time it's going to happen the way i want That's it to fine. it's going to happen in the way that it needs to and so i can go and i can take the time to do this and and i and i know that 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 was one of those things you know when when jen was diagnosed with cancer and we came home and we didn't make all the decisions right away and and i and we sat up all night and she was crying we needed to make these decisions and i'm like it's not going to change between tomorrow it, it's not going to change if we wait a couple of days and just talk it over mm-hmm. and see what are why are you sure i'm I'm fairly certain, you know, if the doctor didn't say we need to do, we need to have you in surgery now, mm-hmm. you're okay mm-hmm. to, to do this. And and just to slow down and to take that moment of rest and say, we need to clear our head and remove the, I, always, I say this in counseling, I said, you need to take that moment to step away and remove your emotions. Because if you're, if you're, 
and our and our society, I think, is so emotionally driven. One emotion, next emotion, and they want you to react, mm-hmm. right? That 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 rest period that is built into the week, <laughs> and 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 our Lord plays out so beautifully. Yes. Is that rest period to take a step back and say, "I'm going to remove my emotions from this equation." And do something different. And do something different. Yeah, that's. I mean, that was the, one of the things that I had talked about, and it was so insightful for members because of uh, I was I was preaching on the Sabbath. I think during Lent, um, was going through the commandments or something, and the members were just like, "I always thought the Sabbath was I didn't need to work, and mm-hmm. and it was a stress on. No, this is a, a time for you not. You do something different that you don't normally do, and that is your." Sabbath. So, so for for it kind of plays into our hobby discussion, mm-hmm. where the Sabbath rest isn't really about a day, or it isn't about Saturday, but it is about a, a mindset of like I like what you're saying, the mindset of timing. Like, do I have to react to this instantly? Because the world that we're living in is always instant, instantaneous. This thing was somebody put this on the Twitter. You got to respond now. Somebody was upset yeah. about this. We got to respond now. Uh, somebody said this, and we've got to respond now. Everything has to be firing back and and always on 100%. But time to take a step back and reflect on one, first of all, your Savior and your and his word and the rest that he has found there. Uh, and and you've mentioned this in the book as well. Of And, and you, you started off the podcast talking about that as well. Is, uh, you, your child is loved by a Savior. You are loved by a God that wants to take care of you. Um, you have uh, given a calling, but it is also you're not alone in that calling. The Lord wants th- these things to happen as well, and and for you to take care of yourself as. And if as you wait well. long enough, someone else will do it. <laughs> if you wait long enough. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, it's not your wife. <laughs> Hopefully, it's not our wife. I did hear a pastor say, this is probably good advice for everybody. He, um, you know, that the Lord pointed out, we need a Sabbath. He didn't need a Sabbath, but he took one. So we're going to, you know, but he takes a Sabbath, a Sabbath meaning, as you explained, resting and um, from your obligation, one hour a day, one day a week, and one week a year. And wouldn't that be a good goal for all of us? <laughs> yeah, because family vacations aren't very restful. Yeah. You had to take a vacation from the vacation, the vacation. you yeah. took. Yeah. 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 I was just yeah. wondering if he was going to say, you know, one year every seven years. Or, oh, that'd uh, be awesome. That would, yeah. A year of Jubilee. Yeah, there we go. As long as you still get paid that year. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it wouldn't be very restful. <laughs> it wouldn't be very See, that's called a sabbatical, right? <laughs> there we go. I agree. I agree. Um, uh, yeah, we had a question. In, Brianna asked that question, didn't she? When might we consider Sundays a day of rest a good time to do so? What right. are some good examples of biblical self-care? Um, yeah, that whole idea of... I was um, looking into the Jewish um, term Sabbat, which is their Sabbath, and that just... in, in That encompasses so many things. It's not just go to church. It's, you know, I peace and um, prosperity and overall God having his face shine on you. You know, when they would say Shabbat to each other, that was just an, it it means so much more than take a day off, you know. And I think that's one of the things that we have as misnomer. Um, The the, the whole day of rest is not a day to sleep. 
It's it's it, and yes, it's kind of a day to unplug, yes. but what it is is it, it's a day to step back and it's a day to enjoy um, and be refreshed um, and to say, look at the blessings. Mm-hmm. I worked for six days, mm-hmm. but this is what I worked for, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I spent a lot, invested a lot mm-hmm. in six days, um, and but but this is now what's invested in me, mm-hmm. and and to step back and enjoy those things. I think that's what uh, uh, one of the the beautiful yeah. pictures of of that piece is. Could you not also say the Sabbath day is a day of cooperation, where you, the Lord who has called you to His vocations, He's going to watch over that vocation on the day that you take a rest, yes. or the time yes. that you take a rest. He's He, you're working together with Him, and uh, He is the one that also provides everything. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an, it's an article, it's a, a, an action of faith to take a break from your work because you're trusting that it's not all going to fall apart, that the Lord who has called you to your vocation, whatever it is, uh, mom, dad, uh, employer, employee, uh, student, whatever your, uh, um, uh, whatever your vocation is in life, uh, the, uh, a time of rest reminds you that you're not in it alone, that your God who has called you to it is the one who's going to uh, um, enable you to do that. I've got a good quote, I think, about that. There's a, a Jazz Lonquist. She's actually a screenwriter. She has written stuff for um, our synod. Um, let's see, I think she wrote um, that one, um, that one, that Mary, the the DVD that Mary, My Son, My Savior. That's okay. what she wrote. Sure. Yeah, that's a really good um, one. But anyway, she, she wrote, um, and I quoted her, We don't honor God with our exhaustion, our irritability, our depression, our chronic disease, our wasting time, our researching quick cures and diets, or living with obesity by stuffing down our feelings. All possible when we neglect these tents that we live in. That was pretty good. That That is not honoring God to do all that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so, and that comes back down to the celebration of stepping back, right? And Yeah. So moving on to yeah, the next one. You the ready? last one. The last one. I'm too busy for self-care. Um, and my question for you was, is what do you feel? And what I liked about the book is that you're not telling us exactly how to do our spiritual self-care, emotional care, physical care. It's, it's contemplative. And it's giving us advice and direction, but not saying, well, you, you all, there's no one size fit all solution for everybody because we're not all the same and nor are we all in the same place. But um, I'm still going to ask the question. Oh, shucks. What do you feel is the first step for someone to take regarding their spiritual self care, emotional self care, and physical self care? Well, read, absorb God's word. And then pray that he guides you in applying it to your life. You need that power. That's the change element is God's word. But the thing is, if you're not confident in his love and forgiveness for you, if something is blocking your reception of God's payment for your sin, then you're not going to have the the God-given powerful motivation to make self-care a priority. You need that. You know, when you think about Paul's letter to the Romans, when he said, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. We need self-care. We need self-control to do that, or we're going to keep crawling off the altar. Living sacrifices. 
Yeah, I um, thank you for answering that question. What do you feel, Will, is the first step that someone should take regarding their spiritual care, emotional self-care, physical, uh, having read the book? I, I think... I think buying the book is number one. No, I did... <laughs> In all What's fairness, the, name of the book again. Copies. <laughs> In all fairness, I did purchase self care, selfish or sacred, an interactive guide. And interact. I and I interacted with it. Thank you. Over my phone. <laughs> On Kindle. Um, but the uh, that I I I agree with you. You know, the first care, the, the first step in self care is is really to uh, um, for spiritual care is to be in contact with the one who cares for your spirit. Um, emotional is, I think, um, and I've been trying to use this in counseling myself when I, when I counsel other people, um, for the emotional care is to acknowledge other people have thoughts, emotions, and, and, and be able to register with them and say, you, you, you may feel, when someone says, I'm angry, instead of trying to say, well, why are you angry? Just say, Okay, I I can understand you're angry, and then also be free to acknowledge that you don't have to feel the same way, and, and I think that's a really a first step for emotional care, for emotional self care. Is that I don't, and and this is hard for em, uh, empathetic people because they, I I want to feel the way that they feel so I can understand them. You don't need to always, and sometimes you can't. Um, and so it's okay to, I think, in an emotional way to say, I understand why you would be. I, I don't feel that way. And that's okay, too. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, not, I'm not disrespecting you either way. I'm just, um, we're in different spots. And, and I think that's a good step. Physical, um, the only thing I can say about that is um, coming from the Santa Claus claymation movie, put one foot in front of the other. And soon you'll be walking out the door. Okay. <laughs> I will try that right now. <laughs> come back, come back. We need you. It's a sad song. Put one foot in front of the. Sorry. Oh, okay. I'll have to look up I, that video. The physical, just the the physical self care. You know, just start moving. Um, mm. Yeah. And and I have a very sedimentary job. I go, yes. I get up, I go to a visit, I sit, <laughs> I come back, and I sit. Um, so just getting up and and having that movement. Mm-hmm. Good thought. I I'm, yeah, looking at that question because I was like, well, if I'm going to ask the question, I got to have come up with an answer <laughs> myself. I was just I, I I appreciated reading this book because I know I take care of myself, but I don't do all three of those all at the same time, nor do I give it all the same attention uh, at the same time. So to to come up with a if I'm doing if I'm, I'm a listener and I'm going okay, what do I do for my spiritual self care, emotional self care, physical self care? My suggestion would be sit down with your pastor first with the spiritual self care and just talk to him about the things that are going through. Mm-hmm. Um, your what's going through your mind and heart because that's what your pastor is for there i mean it, it it isn't just for the the difficult situations that you're dealing with in life or your marriage problems or you're having problems with your children but just if, if in your relationship in your walk with the lord sit down with your pastor and talk to him and 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 have him uh, counsel if there has to be confession and absolution then that's awesome because that's mm-hmm. that's the that's the the power as uh susan wrote about in the in her book the power to to do the things that we uh, 
are called to do is come from the forgiveness that we have in Christ. And sometimes there are so many sins and, and our consciences are bothering us and we have shame and guilt about what's going on in our life that isn't, uh, isn't addressed because nobody knows about it. Um, and uh, so talk to your pastor about that. And he'll and give you at least five minutes. He'll give you at least five minutes or he'll reschedule. <laughs> Only Pastor Harley. Only Pastor Harley will give you. Um, and, pastor uh, Dave will say, I'll have to fit it in my schedule. <laughs> I, yep. <laughs> After I feed the chickens. After I feed After the chickens. chickens. <laughs> um, so, and then as far as uh, emotional and physical self-care, it's just that I like the you know one foot, just try something. Don't, I, 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 I've read this somewhere else where if you're having terrible, if you're having trouble working out, change your focus from actually working out to, to developing a system. So you say to yourself, Today, I'm going to put on all the workout clothes. And then that, and if I get all of those workout clothes on, that's a major victory. There you go. So the person puts on all their workout clothes. And if, and if they go to the, um, the place where they're going to work out, if they go outside and they don't work out, that's fine. At least their goal for that, or not a goal, but that their um, metric for that day was I'm going to put the clothes on. And you find when you put the clothes on or when you get yourself ready, then it becomes a lot easier to uh, uh, move out the door. And, and the emotional self-care is just that, uh, for, for me, the first step, what would be the f- first step for me is, is, is it's going to sound weird, but I like to play video games, but just imagine yourself in a video game. What is, what is, the, what is the crisis that your character is undergoing? What are the things that he has to undergo and then to picture in your mind what are the um, what are the steps to get there, and that would be my uh, one piece of advice. You know, you can also use physical activity as a time to praise the Lord. Absolutely, I like to walk and pray. Um, I've got stretch classes at the Y that you know, uh, and I don't always do this, but it'd be good. Um, like, say the teacher says, "Okay, stretch your legs." And I'll say, "Thank you, Lord, that I can walk. Thank you, Lord, yeah. that this leg doesn't hurt." So maybe if some people, like I do, have guilt over self-care time, make it a time to praise or pray. Sure. Well, as we we have gone through, dear listener, um, all 10 of the major chapters here in this wonderful book. So before we let you go and practice self-care and encourage you I think Dave and I would both encourage you to buy this book because it is. Because I'm twisting their arm right now as they speak. <laughs> Ouch! No, it's 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 it is worthwhile Thank because you. I think it brings enough into to pictures where it doesn't tell you what to do, but it gives you everything to think about, so that you can start thinking about this for yourself. So before we go, there's I, I would just say, uh, we should say it again. How can they get this book? Thanks for asking because. Um, you might be surprised at this, but I'm not a famous author. So the publishing companies haven't run to me. So I had to publish it myself. So that involves some investment and then the promotion and all that. So I'm learning all that. Not my most fun part about writing it. But you can find the book on Amazon. You can get it on Kindle. You could get it in Barnes & Noble and then even a brick-and-mortar store because they use the Spring Arbor, Arbor distributors. But... Um, if you wanted to help me out, <laughs> the best, yeah, the, most the best way. way I would appreciate you buying a copy directly from me 
And you could either stop me on the street as I'm walking by, putting one foot in front of the other. <laughs> um, but you can also order through my website, um, which should be up by Saturday, susanlfink.com, or feel free to email me. And we'll have that on our on okay. our show notes. Hello at susanlfink.com. And by the way, L is for Lynn, my middle name, and Fink is because I married him and all that. And, and then I also have a Facebook writers page at Grace It Forward. So if you just look up Facebook, Grace It Forward. And if you are listening to this podcast before Saturday, June 18th, you are welcome to come to a book launch party that day, Saturday, eight, uh, June 18th at Grace Lutheran Church in Mantuak from 1.30 to 4. I invite your friends. And I do actually have a gift for the pastors because they put up with me. And we haven't put they. Oh, she put up with no. us. Yeah, she know. put yeah. up with us. Right. What is this? Noisemakers. Well, no, I thought your podcast was named Castanets. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Oh, you needed some. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you very, very much for your, the thoughtful You've gift. Been sweet. And uh, um, I encourage you go out, grab up this book. Uh, it is a very good read, a uh, very good read for probably uh, um, women's devotional, um, small Bible study, uh, just a group of friends getting together and saying, what can we do to help encourage each other to practice this better? Um, how about mom's groups sitting, watching your kids play at the park in the summer while you're sweating? Um, you know, you can grab your Kindle if you don't want to, because they're waterproof. Um, <laughs> and you can, you can engage with this. Uh, Dave, any last words? I have no last words. I really appreciated your, uh, your time today, Susan. And self-care is something that is definitely sacred. The wonderful bodies that God has given us and, and, and redeemed through the blood of his son. Worthwhile our t- worth for our time. And Susan, if you wanted to have any last words. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, it, I hate to even say it's my book because so many people helped with it. And uh, praise God. He'll do what he wants with it. And what a privilege to be used by him.